prayer. Father, Lord, blessed be your name. Name that is above every name, and at the mention of that name, every devil has to flee. Lord, may the name of Jesus be held high tonight, Lord. God, the power of that name be visit us tonight, Father, and move in hearts and lives. Commit this service to your hands, everything to be said and done. We just ask that you would just take control, Lord, and bless your people, Father, I pray. Lord, the sacrifices we made to come tonight, may you just bless us by your word, I pray, and strength for life's journey. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Daniel 5 and verse 12. Amen. I'm just going to read this one verse, but we know the story of the writing that came on the wall. And they was looking for a man who was able to discern the writing and to give the interpretation now, we know Daniel on his own, in his own abilities, he could not do so. But he had an anointing on him as a prophet. Amen. So we want to read this. Daniel 5, and verse 12 says, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences, the dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Amen. We we'll let you be seated. Amen. As we would look tonight, I, I would like to speak on the dissolver of doubts. The dissolver of doubts. Amen. God is the dissolver of doubts. Amen. He always has something that you're able to stand on. Amen. His word that he sends in the time of your troubles, in the time of your temptations, in the time of your need and your battle. Amen. You know, just because we have a place to stand on or we have a, a God who's able to, to, is there for us, doesn't mean that you won't have battles and you won't have troubles. It doesn't mean that you won't have tests or you won't face fear or have mind battles. But you know, as, as the people were looking here, amen, uh, to, at, at, this, at this thought, amen, of, of a writing that was on a wall, they, they didn't know what to make out of it and didn't know how to discern it. And he had, the king had called for his wise men. He'd called for, amen, men of his kingdom to come and to give the, uh, the, the writing on the wall or the thought or what it was, the interpretation. And nobody could do it, but there was someone there that knew of Daniel and knew that Daniel was of an excellent spirit. And this spirit could only be God's spirit, amen. It could only be the leadership of God or the anointing of God that Daniel had on his life. Amen. And, and I believe the same Holy Ghost is here for us as well. Amen. To be able to, to withstand the evil day that we are standing in. We've seen Daniel and the way he was able to stand. He stood against impossible odds as a man, young boy taken uh, out of his own land and taken into a foreign place and as a captive. But he purposed in his heart that he would do the will of God and he would not uh, contaminate, contaminate himself with the king's meat and, and, the, and the way he stood and, and, and going through the lion's den and all of that, you would have to say that Daniel had an anointing on his life. And I believe the same anointing has been upon God's children all the way through. Now, just because that anointing is there does not mean you're not going to have mind battles or you're not going to have face fears in your life or have tests, but it just means that there'll be something there for you when you go through those things in your life. You know, and mind battles are nothing new, and I, I just want to talk about this for a moment. Mind battles because I believe that's the, as Brother Brandon would preach, that's the greatest battle that's ever been fought, is in the mind. Amen. It's, it's things sometimes you can't put a, a picture to or a, a image to, or, you know, you, somebody's having a mind battle, you want to tell them, get a hold of yourself, but, you know, sometimes they can't. It's in their mind, and they don't know where to turn or what to do, but God has always got an answer for every battle. Amen. Every Everything that we would go through. And you know, we can imagine the mind battles, and, and as I said, they're nothing new. Could you imagine the mind battles that Noah faced while he was building an ark? 
Amen. The mind battles that he faces, he would put a nail in the wood or saw another and making this gigantic, enormous boat and, 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 and calling for rain and things that had never happened before. And no doubt that whisperer came to him all the time and said, well, you just thought you heard from God. You thought that that's what God wanted and you're making a fool out of yourself. You're making a fool out of your family. Why are you doing this? You know, and his mind is going crazy, but he just kept putting another nail in the ark. Amen. Could you imagine Abraham as he what mind battles he must have faced as he as every day he got older and older and older and the promise seemed to be further and further away. But yet the Bible said he staggered not at the promises of God, but was strong in the faith. Amen. It was something that he would always turn to when he would go through the mind battles. He faced mind battles. No doubt he the whisper would come to his mind and he would he would begin to tell him, well, you know, God meant that for somebody else to fulfill or God was going to do it some other kind of way and God's going to do this you know amen even Sarah faced mind battles to the point that she would try to fulfill the word of God on her own but that wasn't the way God wanted to bring it amen God had a predestinated seed to come through Abraham and through Sarah but no doubt Sarah even herself faced mind battles am I even part of the promise I mean God talked to Abraham God says this he reveals this Abraham comes tells me these things but Am I even part of the pro- of the promise? See, she had her own mind battles. Could you imagine Jacob as he was waiting to face his brother and the mind battles and the failures and things that begin to run through his mind and, and all the things he faced as he got ready to meet his brother? He had mind battles. Could you imagine Joseph and the mind battles that he had rejected of his family? Man, that'll cause a lot of mind battles. Rejected of his family, sold into slavery, cast in the prison. And mind battles? Yes, he had mind battles. Amen. Moses, he had mind battles while he was in the desert wondering how God is going to do this. There's been a promise of a deliverance. I tried and I failed. How God is ever, how's he ever going to use a failure like me to bring this to pass? He had mind battles. And on and on and on, all down through scriptures, every one of them faced mind battles. Every one of them faced tests. But in every case, God sent his word that they could stand upon. Amen. And that is the same as he has done in this hour. He has sent us a word, an over vindicated message. Amen. That we can stand upon that when all hell is against us and it will be against us and it is against us. Against us every day of our life. Hell is bombarding the gates of of heaven. It's pushing against your, your moral standards. It's pushing against your thoughts. It's pushing against everything that has to do with Christianity. But there is a word that God has given in this day that we can turn our mind back to. Amen. We can turn our mind back to the promise just like Abraham did. Just like Moses did. Just like Noah did. Just like every one of them. They had to take their mind and turn it away from the thoughts of the whisper that was coming through and telling them it was impossible. That it wasn't able. That they wasn't the one. That it was for somebody else. And had to take it and turn it right back around and get their mind back on the promise of God. And we have to all do the same thing. Amen. The whisper has been in your ear even this week and he's told you you can't make it. He's told you the message ain't for you. He's told you just give up and quit. He's told you all kinds of things but you need to look and turn your eyes back to the one who gave the promise and he who gave the promise is able to fulfill the promise. Amen. So we've all had these things. Now we have been given a word in this hour and it, and it is a word that is to dissolve the doubt. Amen. It's a word of promise that is to take the frustrations of man and the worries of man and is to dissolve them. Amen. He gave us a promise in Malachi 4th chapter and we find that this promise has been fulfilled in this day. Can we have faith in it? Yes, the Bible said so. And the Bible said it, we can believe it. Amen. Luke 17, 30, we can read it as it was in the days of Sodom. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Amen. So we see all of these things happen around us. Amen. We see Sodom in this condition. We see Laodicea in this condition. We see the homosexuality and the, and the environment of the age we're living in. So it ought to give us confidence if that is where it needs to be. We are also where we need to be. Because he said there's going to be someone that's going to overcome in this hour. 
Hallelujah. So we see all the things that are taking place, and it ought to not, it ought to not weaken our faith. It ought to increase our faith. Amen. It ought to dissolve the doubts. Amen. When you see Sodom and, and everything that has happened around us, it ought to be getting your mind ready to receive a body change, a rapture, a leaving here. Amen. It ought to strengthen us when we realize the signs that are around us. Dissolving our doubts. Amen. Abraham, you know, was there. You know, but remember, Abraham wasn't in Sodom. He was already called out. But there was one stayed and talked to him. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad there's one that stayed and talked with us. Amen. And the one that stayed and talked to him showed him a sign. What was he doing to Abraham? He was dissolving his doubts. He stayed and showed him a sign with his back turned. He said to Sarah, I was going to have a baby. And what he had waited on with his back turned. And when he had, and he called him. God, Elohim. He said that brings it to pass today because we have faith. We've seen the same sign repeated in this hour. Amen. And amen. He said in the hour of the seventh angel's message, when he begins to sound forth his message, amen, not just a healing service, but a message that follows the healing service. Jesus went forth and preached. He healed the sick and everything. Oh, that young rabbi, the prophet, he was a great fella. He, we want him in our church. But one day he stood up and he said, I and my father are one. Amen. All of that should have dissolved their doubts. He'd done all of that to dissolve doubts. But yet the Bible said he couldn't do many things because of their unbelief. Amen. But, and, he, and he stood up one day after all the signs and all the miracles and people shouting hallelujah and praise God as we've seen in this day. And it began to sound forth the message, I and my father are one. They didn't want him no more except you eat the flesh and drink the blood. They didn't want him no more. All of them begin to scream, oh, that guy's a vampire. They're trying to get us to drink his blood. It's crazy. And they begin to put out their videos of why I left Jesus' message. Amen. What was sent to dissolve doubts. Amen. And it did dissolve doubts in some believers, in the believers' hearts. And it was Peter that would look at him and say, well, who do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're this and some say you're that. He said, but who do you say I am? He said, I believe you're the son of the living God. It dissolved the doubts. Why? Because he had sent a message to him. Amen. Amen. So we see here a message has been sounded forth now. You know, and every time there's been impersonators. Moses sent for and come out with a message and there was impersonators. So impersonators don't cause us to doubt. Impersonators shows there's got to be something real. You can't have a counterfeit without there being something real to counterfeit off of. You can't have a bogus dollar unless there's a real dollar. Amen. People want to talk to talk about it with all the fakes out there, and the, this one is that's about just about money, and this one is just about his own kingdom. What well, tells me there has to be a real one somewhere. Amen. And so, and Moses went forth. There was a Janus and Jambers that tried to bring unbelief and doubt, but there was the dissolver of doubt there. It said, "Let my people go," and it caused such a desire in their hearts to leave that place to where one day they left. Now, I want you to understand. Eventually, there's going to be no more doubts. There's going to be no more worry. There's going to be no more fear. There's going to be no more fight mind battles. Amen. How does he come to the ultimate of dissolving doubts? How God dissolves the doubts is fulfill his word. And there's going to be a fulfillment of his word. Hallelujah. Amen. What happened? The doubt that was among Moses. Well, Moses, you just went out there and ate some hot peppers, and you say you, you, got a, you had some kind of crazy vision, seen some burning bush that didn't burn. You must be a nut. But what happened? That one day that the doubts was gone, because now it's fulfillment. And they're walking out, and the doubters are left behind. Amen. What happened? But those that believed, those that were, that something struck on the inside and said, I believe your message, Moses, and I'm going to get ready to go. It dissolved the doubt in their lives to where they no longer begin to believe anymore. They were slaves and bound by things they couldn't get free from. But they began to believe the message and it dissolved their doubts to a point that they walked out free men. He's a dissolver of doubts. Amen. See, when it comes down to it, Jesus said, 
And, and this is in works faith expressed. He said, if I do not the works, he says, listen close. But I do not do the works. That is, if I don't do the works the scriptures tell you I will do in my age when I come. With what the Messiah was supposed to do when he comes. If the things that I do, if God doesn't vindicate that word he said would happen. If my life doesn't make that word live just exactly. Don't miss this, he says. Jesus saying, you know what the Messiah is supposed to do. Then if that word is written and then manifests itself. And it didn't, didn't, then how can you say I'm not he? He said, but then the day that I speak of is wrong. And John said about me was untrue. And then I'm not the Messiah if I don't do the works that he promised I would do. He said, but I do the works that I promised that was promised of me. He said, then if the promise of that day is manifest in my ministry, Jesus said, then I am he. So if you can't already believe who I am, then look to the works that's promised. Look at the works that's promised. If them works isn't fulfilled, every one of them in me, then don't believe me. But if they are fulfilled, believe me. Let your doubts be dissolved. Brother Branham comes down to the end of this message. And he goes down through. And in this message, he goes down through Luther. And he said he was the dissolver of doubts. The just shall live by faith. He goes to Wesleyan sanctification. He said it was the same work of the Holy Spirit the, uh, of sanctification, dissolving doubts. The restoration of the gifts and the Pentecost, uh, dissolving doubts that there was a supernatural God among us again. And he said, but in this message, he's still the dissolver of doubts. And he said, this is the hour. And in his prayer, he says, dear God, who was manifested in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ that raised up from the dead the third day according to the scriptures and ascended on high and set the disciples out to disciple all the world and said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Go to the Pentecostal church of this day and the restoration of the gifts. My Lord, those men, maybe some of them present here, some of them here in the tapes around the world, may they realize that this is the calling out of the bride. Not a Pentecostal message. A Pentecostal message would restore the gifts back to the church. But this is the calling forth of the bride. Another message that was come right before Sodom was burned. Let them understand, dear Lord. And because it's revealed by your spirit. He says, but so I pray, God, that man will look away from their intellect. And look away from what they might think is right. And look to the scriptures. He said it was spoken last night. Let the people hear like the queen did in the days of the great destruction of Babylon. She said there is a man among you named David. Daniel that is in your father's kingdom. He said he's the dissolver of all doubts. And now Lord let the Holy Spirit that was in the, uh, the Martin Luther's and John Wesley's and the Pentecostal kingdom. All the way down the dissolver of doubts. Let him come. Come and dissolve every doubt because the bride is being called as you promised here in the scripture. Let him dissolve every doubt in the people's heart. May they flee quickly to the open sun to be ripened, to be taken into the garner, not be left to stalk, to be burned. But they may be gathered tonight in the garner. He, Christ, gave us a solid foundation we can stand on. He over-vindicated this message. Not just vindicated it, he over-vindicated it. So we could believe no matter what critics say. No matter what Satan has come. No matter how Satan comes and tries to tear it down. He's the dissolvers of doubts. We can believe what the prophet said. We can be like that woman that was sitting there. And Brother Branham was talking about her sister. And her sister was having a mental problem. And he told her what was wrong and said in certain, certain days she was going to be fine. He said that woman, her sister sitting beside her or the mother there slapped her husband on the knee and said he's never wrong. Her doubts have been dissolved. Amen. I'm going to tell you tonight, he's still never wrong. What was on that prophet in this day that would discern the hearts was the same thing that was on the prophet Daniel that would look at many, many tackle forty and be able to discern it and tell them what exactly the word was saying. It wasn't no longer in symbol. It wasn't no longer hid, but it was revealed. It's the same prophet that's been delivered in this day, a message that's not in symbols no more, but it's been revealed. Why? To dissolve your doubts that he is coming back for a bride. But that don't mean Satan ain't there to try to bring unbelief, try to make us doubt. 
Let's read in 2 Kings 6. Take a story here for a moment. 2 Kings verse 26 and 24. Now this, this is a, there's a whole series before this scripture of Elisha and the miracles Elisha worked and God worked in Elisha. And it was the same anointing that we've seen in this day. 2 Kings 6 and verse 24. Now this is right after, like I said, many miracles. You can go back and read. It's a wonderful read of all the things God did in Elisha's ministry. And, and, but it's right before Elisha, the, the Syrian army gathers around Elisha, you know, and, and his, his servant is doubting and he's worried. And he don't know what to do. And he's like, look, we're surrounded. And, and, and Elisha says, well, there's more force than against us. <laughs> there's more for you tonight than there are against you. I know it may seem to be out, unnumbered, the amount of things you go through, just un, innumerable that you can't even count of the thoughts and the mind battles and things, but there's more for you than there's against you. Amen. And, and he said, Lord, open this boy's eyes. And he said, his eyes were open. He seen chariots of fire, angels of fire all the way around them. You know, and, and Elisha walks right down to the middle of the, of, of the Syrians, right to the man, and, and asks him who he's looking for. And the blindness took him over. You know the story. And he leads him right into the, right into the camp of the king of Israel. And, and then, you know, you think this old dumb devil would, would have learned. But here, here, just a few verses later, and it came to pass that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all of his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. So they was in some serious situation. Amen. They, they was given extreme amounts of money for just a few morsels to eat. And then this, I had, to, you know, curiosity got me. I was like, what in the world? Dove's dung. What is that? You know, and it's, it's actually was either, Josephus said it was either a substitute for salt or it was used for, uh, for uh, actually for fuel for fire. So, but anyway, they was in a serious situation and they didn't know what to do. And the king of Israel was passing, and we, we won't read all of it, but the king of Israel was passing by a wall and there's a woman that cried out. And it's to show you the dire situation that they're in and said, you know, we, me and this other woman made a deal. And we said, today I'll boil my little boy and we'll eat him and tomorrow we'll eat yours. And that was where they was at. They were starving to death and it was in this situation. And they come to Elisha and wonder what, what, what can be done about this. In 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1, Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. So in other words, in just a moment, it's all going to change. It's going to go from an un, unbelievable, un, unable to do anything about situation until you'll have so much food that it'll be sold for almost nothing. That's the word of the Lord. But listen to this next verse. But then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned on. He answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord. This is unbelief coming in. Here's thus saith the Lord, but here's if the Lord. If the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this be thing be? If he, if he does some miracle or something, maybe it'll happen. But I just don't see how it's going to be. It's going to be because it's thus saith the Lord. Amen. You know, you wonder how in the world is God going to save somebody out of all this chaos and out of all this sin? It's going to be because it's thus saith the Lord. But here's a, something, a Lord, not a capital L-O-D, a little L-O-R-D. Not a capital L-O-R-D, but a little L-O-R-D. Some Lord he leaned on. Could you imagine? He could lean on, thus saith the Lord, but he's leaning on this mortal man. Is that not what we do sometimes? We have, thus saith the Lord, we have the word of God, we have promises, and we have been going to the people of the promise for so, a lot of services. 
Amen. The people of the book now for many services, promise after promise after promise, but yet we'll lean on our own understanding or we'll lean on our own flesh or we'll lean on a little L-O-R-D instead of on thus saith the Lord. Amen. He said, the whose hand the Lord leaned, answer the man, behold, if the Lord. See, Satan is always there to interject his unbelief. It's just like we had a youth camp. You know, these people, these demons were being cast out, but yet there was those saying, if the Lord can do this, then I'll serve him. That's not faith. That's unbelief. It's not if the Lord can do this. The Lord is mighty in battle. He's more than able, yet more than able. But there was four outcasts. Maybe you call them holy rollers. Maybe you call them just somebody that, you know, didn't, didn't lean on their own understanding. They couldn't do nothing on their own know-how. They were beggars. They, they were nobodies. And they were, in the next, in the next verse, there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. I know leprosy represents sin. And every one of them was, was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Amen. But there was something in us to believe. Amen. I believe that you may have come with leprosy in your heart and you didn't know what to do, but there was something on the inside. When you heard, thus saith the Lord, I never belonged to the devil. I never belonged to Satan. I ain't never been his son. It was something on the inside of you to believe. Amen. To believe for the impossible. Amen. Why? And they said, why sit here till we die? Why sit here in our unbelief? How much longer are we going to waller in our unbelief and our our worry and our fear? Let's get up and go take what is ours. We already got thus saith the Lord. There's no food in this city. There's nothing here we can do. I know where the food's at. Let's go get it. Amen. Amen. It said, if we say we'll enter into the city, then famine's in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still, we'll die also. So let's fall into the hosts of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we shall live, and they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose and got up to the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Syrian, behold, there was no man there. When they got there to their promises, they realized that devil was just a bluff. And he left when he saw him coming. Hallelujah. When he realized somebody's going to believe, thus saith the Lord. And they're going to walk with the promises of God. And they're going to wallow in their unbelief. But they're going to grab themselves up by the bootstraps and start walking towards their promise. They got up and hightailed it out of there. And I'm going to tell you, the devil will do the same thing. When a child of God has gird himself with the armors of God has been given to him by the Holy Ghost and wrap himself in his whole robe given to him by the Holy Ghost and say, devil, that's my promise. Because where the Syrians were sitting was their land. And the Lord, for the Lord had made the host of Syrians hear a noise of chariots. Oh, it must have been those chariots that was already seen surrounding Elisha. <laughs> it's the same chariots that are here tonight if you would open your eyes. It's the same angels that's lined up around these walls and down every aisle if our eyes could come open. I want you to understand your devil that's been tormenting you right now is hearing the sound of chariots. He's hearing the sound of angels' armies. And not only angels' army, but there's a captain of the Lord of hosts. And he's standing with a sword drawn. Amen. And the noise of chariots and noise of horsemen, even the noise of a great host, four lepers. <laughs> what a noise. Woo! Somehow they got a little anointed. I can imagine those lepers as they begin to walk towards that camp, they begin to sing, Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. As I have thus saith the Lord. 
<laughs> For the Lord made the host of Syrians hear a noise of chariots, and we're just fixing to get to the good part, and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Mine battles. Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. They begin to have mind battles. They begin to have worries and wonder what's going on, what's happening. Four lepers was heading their way. And they begin to have dread and fear. One person in an evening light tabernacle on a Wednesday night had enough of that devil. And begin to walk toward the promises of God and say, It is mine. Thus saith the Lord, It is mine. Hallelujah. It'll cause your devil to have mind battles. Amen. It's time for the devil to start being tormented. It's time for him to start worrying. My time's almost through. My time's almost finished. Those believers are starting to believe. Hallelujah. Four lepers. Glory to God. Cause such a mind battle for them to leave everything behind. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wherefore they arose and fled in the dark in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Woo! Hallelujah. Four lepers caused these people to have such a mind battle until they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. He went into Psalms 103, where that devil had been camping out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Woo! Hallelujah. This is a good time. Leopard looked at, let me have some of that. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And they forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. And they carried them silver and gold and raiment and went and did it and came again and entered into another tent. That was so good, I'm going to go give you some more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. By his stripes I'm healed. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. Yeah. It's my strength. It's my soul. He is the Lord mighty in battle. Hallelujah. And they came on back and told the king what had happened. He still didn't believe because he was leaning on the wrong thing. He was leaning on the arm of unbelief. See, it was said, this was Jehoram. He walked in the ways of his father Ahab. He made unto himself false gods. And the people of Samaria had fallen down just like their king, going astray from the one true living God. They had forsaken him. They didn't remember the words of Jacob that said, The Lord thy God is one God. And in idolatry, they bowed themselves before idols and were given over to the prophecy in Deuteronomy 28 that says, The tender and delicate woman who would not have ventured to set soul of her foot upon the ground for delicateness had an evil eye of her own children and devoured her offspring by reason of fierce hunger. Why? Because they left the one true living God, thus saith the Lord. And he was leaning. But for Elisha's sake, oh my... For the elect's sake, for the elect that was there, the Lord sent the promise that the next day food, which could not be obtained at any price, should be now had at the cheapest possible rate. Hallelujah. Amen. Things you never could deserve could now be freely given to you. 
Hallelujah. Oh, we could picture the joy of the multitude when they heard the prophet prophesy. They knew him to be a prophet of the Lord. He'd been vindicated. Past prophecies many times had all been fulfilled. They knew that he was a man sent from God proclaiming God's message. Surely the king's eyes would glisten with delight and, 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 and the, pro, the prospects of a speedy recovery from the release of famine. Tomorrow, they could shout. Tomorrow, our hunger will be over. But however, the Lord on whom the king leaned expressed his disbelief. None of the common people doubted the prophet. Only the intellectual men did. The great man said, impossible. With an insult to the prophet, he added, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be. God's got to do it the way I think he ought to do it. God's going to do it the way I have, have it figured out. His sin lay in the fact that after repeating pro repeated proofs of Elijah's ministry, Elisha's ministry, he yet disbelieved the prophecy uttered by the prophet. How many miracles had he witnessed? He had doubtless seen the marvelous defeat of Moab. He had been startled at tidings of the resurrection of the Shunammite son. These are all the miracles that happened right before this. He knew that Elisha had revealed Benadad's secrets and had smitten his host with blindness. He had seen the bands of Syria blinded and brought right into the heart of Samaria. He probably knew the story of the widow whose oil filled all the vessels and redeemed her sons. The cure of Naaman was common, no doubt common conversation at the court. And yet in the face of all this evidence, he doubted. Unbelief. His sin was unbelief. Now this is Spurgeon. This, listen to this. This is incredible. He said, unbelief hath more phases than the moon. And more colors than a chameleon. Unbelief. Common people say the devil that he's been seen in one shape and sometimes in another. He said, I'm sure this is true of Satan's firstborn child. Unbelief. <laughs> it is for, its, it, for its forms are legion, many. At one time I see unbelief dressed out as an angel of light. It calls itself humility and says, I would not be presumptuous. I dare not think that God would pardon me. I'm too great a sinner. And they pass that off as being humility, but it's unbelief. He said, we call that humility and thank God our friend is in such a good, so good a condition. He said, I do not thank God for any such delusion. He said, it is a devil dressed as an angel of light. Mercy. He said, it is unbelief after all. At other times we detect unbelief in the shape of a doubt of God's immutability. The Lord has loved me, but will he cast me off tomorrow? He has helped me yesterday and under the shadow of his wings I trust, but will I receive help in my next affliction? He may have cast me off. He may be unmindful of his covenant and forget to be gracious. Sometimes this infidelity is embodied in the doubt of God's power. He said, we see every day new straits. We're involved in a net of difficulties. And we think, surely the Lord cannot deliver us. We strive to get rid of our burden and find that we cannot do it. We think God's arm is as short as ours is. Unbelief. And he said, we think that God's arm is as short as our is. And his power is as little as human might. Unbelief. A fearful form of unbelief is that doubt which keeps men from coming to Christ. Many faces of unbelief. Sometimes we mistake it for he's just humble. He said, but without a doubt, the most hideous of all traitors is a traitor in his true colors. This is the highest form of unbelief. All of these are other, other forms, but the highest form of unbelief in his true colors, blaspheming God, madly denying his existence, infidelity, atheism, are the ripe fruits of this tree. 
They're the most terrific eruptions of the volcano of unbelief. Unbelief has become a full stature when quitting the mask and laying aside disguise, it profanely stalks the earth, uttering the rebellious cry, No God! Striving in vain to shake the throne of divinity by lifting up its arm against Jehovah. Many forms. But when the prophet gave that prophecy and the unbelief came out of that man, let me find it here. Let me go back. It says in the Lord, verse, chapter 7 and verse 2, And the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, might this thing be. He's got to do it my way. And he said, Elisha said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Let's go all the way down to chapter 7, verse Let's see. 16. Chapter 7, verse 16. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of Syria of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose his hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel, shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord shall make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see with thine eyes but shall not eat thereof and so it fell out unto him for the people trod upon him in the gate and he died what's going to happen to the unbelief one day we're going to walk out on the ashes of the ungodly those who refuse to believe the prophet's message and they continue right on in the unbelief one day we're going to walk out into the true fulfillment and unbelief will be no more battleground begins in the human mind there's where the battle starts the mind is chosen for the place of the battle the greatest battle ever fought it's because that decisions are made from the mind it don't start in an organization or some mechanical affair the ground never started there therefore the organization can never do the work of God because the battleground where you got to meet your enemy is in the mind he said, you got to make your choice. It meets you right there. What are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? He said, I want this little girl here that's very sick to be sure to listen to this now real close. So if anybody's in that situation, you're having a battle, listen. Decisions are made in the mind, the head. There is where Satan meets you and decisions are because that's the way God made a man. He said, if you'll come and you'll keep them memories, conscious, everything, thinking about, well, if I might fail, if I might not be right, don't you do that. Throw it all aside and open up in the channel and say, God, your word is eternally true and it's for me. Amen. What are you doing? You're turning down unbelief. You're not leaning on that Lord no more. You're turning back to thus saith the Lord. If the whole world church, the whole world, the whole church fails, the whole world fails, yet I can't fail because I'm taking your word. There's the battle. He said, Oh, devil, now you think he's brazen? You think he'll attack a child? You think he'll attack anything? Sure. He attacked Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that mind battle for a moment. That was a mind battle. If you'd have been there, you wouldn't have seen the devil walking there and talking, and Je- talking to Jesus. You'd have seen Jesus walking there and dealing and talking. Maybe it sounded look like he's talking to himself. It was a mind battle. You would look at him and like, what in the world is he doing on top of that temple? It was a mind battle. He was going through mind battles because he knew you was going to have to go through mind battles. He knew that you was going to have to go to places and be tempted to the very part where you'd almost break. 
But yet at that moment, you could look at that devil in the eye and say, it is also written. The devil will say, well, there's going to be a destruction. There's going to be, a time, but there's going to be hell. And you're, you're, bar, you're bound for hell. And your mind is telling you this. He's telling you all kinds of things. But it's also written to him that overcometh. Devil, that's who I am. He'll attack you. He said that Satan just didn't attack once. He attacked with three ta- attacks on Jesus but he'll come and attack you. Days of miracles are past. You didn't get healed. There's nothing to it. He attacked Jesus three times. Three wild attacks. He ran in on Jesus with his unbelief in God's word. Jesus was the word. Here comes wild attacks. Like sometimes the enemy today. Here they come. If thou be the son of God. Show me a miracle. If he would ask the son of God. If he's the son of God. Don't you think he's going to ask you. Are you a really a Christian? Are you really a son of God? Do you really think that's who you are? Do you really? Yeah, that's, he's going to come with those things in your mind. But that's when you go back to the Word. His attack is what? Disbelieve God's Word. That's his attack. When you start believing his unbelief, then you are not, no longer believing God's Word. You're leaning on a little L-O-R-D. See his attack? His attack is what? Disbelieve God's word. The greatest battle ever fought. There's only two forces, Satan and God. What's Satan's weapon against you? To get you to disbelieve your weapon. Maybe he can't tell you the Bible ain't true, but he'll tell you the Bible ain't for you. Amen. He may not be able to tell you the message ain't true, but he'll tell you the message ain't for you. Or he'll tell you this service ain't your service. Or he'll tell you you're going to have to live with it longer because it's just the way it is. I got you. Ha, 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 ha. He said there was a man one time that the devil had him in a bluff. And the devil would go boo and he'd get smaller and the devil would get bigger. He said, what was it? He was listening to what the devil had to say. He said, but all of a sudden he got backed into a corner and there behind him was a Bible. That thus saith the Lord. It's still thus saith the Lord. And he grabbed a hold of that Bible and he said, devil, boo. And he said, when he did that, the devil got smaller and he got bigger. So you got to turn your thinking back to the Word of God. He said, you got to say, Lord. He said, brother, brother, what does he do? What do you do? Take the Word. Take the Spirit. Let the Spirit come to your heart. Open up your mind and say, this Word is true. How many can say that tonight? Uh, not amen. This word is true. This word is true. Amen. Now, you do this, sister, talking to that sick sister again. Thy word is true. Thy word is true, Lord. I ain't going to pay any attention how I feel. Talking to the sick sister. What anybody self says, I'm stopping that up. I'm blowing out every one of avenues, all my frustrations, my doubts. My unbeliefs I've ever had, every feeling I ever had, all sicknesses I ever had, everything I ever done, I'm blowing them out. I'm bypassing all of that. I'm coming right straight to you, Lord. Come down. As you come down, you said you made me a free or moral agent. Yeah, you are my son. All right. Open my heart and my mind. Come in, Lord Jesus, and grab that faith, that sword of the Spirit, that thus saith the Lord, and scream, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then cut every enemy in front of you. Hallelujah. Until that old spooky spirit that's making you feel that way is cut out of your life. Amen. You say, get away from me. Whack. Maybe that wasn't good enough. Get away from me. Whack. Abraham had to deny everything that was against God's word. A weak royal seed of Abraham. He chopped his way through every obstacle that came in front of him. Your wife is too old. This is too impossible. Over here, you've done this wrong. You made a mistake here. Oh, I'm staying on my promise. Hallelujah. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the grounds are sinking sand. All of the grounds are sinking sand. Even death itself. Everything else is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. But he goes on down. 
different places. Let me read a couple of these. He said, if you have a spirit of unbelief, then his spirit can't bless you. It'll just tell you, might tell you what's wrong or something, send you on. But if you'll believe, those two spirits can get together. <laughs> it's a battle. He said, here will be a demon crying, begging, pleading for his life. And here will be the Spirit of God standing there looking at it. It just depends on which way our spirit is running. I believe if I can get you to believe what I said is the truth, then something's going to happen. It has to happen. He said, now, it's got to happen because you believe. And he goes on in other places, talking about the spirit of unbelief. He says in prayer, he said, I pray that you'll break the holds of Satan, that great spirit of unbelief of God, knowing that he's the one that causes the problems. He's the one that causes the defects. For all things are possible to them that believe. And when belief is, ex is existent, then God can have, or when unbelief is existent, then God can't have the right of way. But Father, may the devil flee tonight. As your servant, I stand here as a representative of your way, your vicarious suffering and bleeding and dying on Calvary, that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It moves out unbelief. He said, I'm so weak, I can hardly stand here. Something's holding me up. My strength is gone. Your faith has drawn it out of me. Many people here well right now. You'll know it. Yeah, even after I'm gone, you'll be telling people that your trouble's left. There's, there's an evil one. A spirit of unbelief will hang around. He said, I'm coming to meet you, spirit, you devil. You cause people to disbelieve God's word. But God has come and broke your spell. God has come and broke your spell. And you are rebuked. And you can't hold God's people no more. I'm here to tell you the same one is in the building tonight. And he's here to break the spell of unbelief off of people's lives to where he can't hold them no more. You think it's strange. He says Jesus Christ still lives and reigns. It must be time. So I feel them hitting me on my side. Time for them to leave off. He said, do you believe now with all your heart? Lay your hands over on each other. Some ministers to see that last person there. Lay your hands on one another. Believe just now with all your heart. Put your hand over on each other. Let's pray. Are you ready? You that's deaf will now hear. You that's blind will now see. You that can't walk will walk. If you accept this Lord Jesus that raised from the dead, nothing else he can do. We could come stand here all night. It'll be the same thing over and over, but he's here. He won't wants to heal all of you. Now, kind Heavenly Father, there's only one thing that can keep this group of people now who is looking towards you to keep them from being healed is that little dark spirit of unbelief. And I challenge that spirit, Satan, you're rebuked, you're exposed. I adjure you in the name of the living God. Come out of these people and leave them that they all might be well. Oh, hallelujah. What is he doing? Realizing there's a spirit of unbelief. What do you think it was when they got in one mind and one accord? They all began to believe the promise is for me. He said to come here, tarry in Jerusalem. And I'm here doing what he said. And if I'm here doing what he said, he's going to do what he said. Is there anybody here like that tonight? I'm here doing what he said. So if I'm here doing what he said, he's going to do what he said. He's going to perform it. Amen. I believe that we're not, we're not dreaming of, or just believing in air castles and, 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 and pipe dreams. But I believe that we are right at the cusp of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just coming in word form, but a physical coming. Amen. Of our Lord that we go meet him in the air. I believe that because that's what believers believe. And don't you think every kind of unbelief is going to try to sit on that promise and hold it back? But he knows his time's coming to where all unbelief is going to be stricken away. Could you imagine a time where there's going to be no more mind battles? Let that just smack you upside the head. No more fear. No more worry. 
No more sickness. No more aches, pains. No more disappointments. No more worried over lost loved ones. No more worried over somebody that's dying in the hospital or some surgery got a face or some mind battle you're going through. It'll all be gone. That's not just a pipe dream. That is a reality. And he's the dissolver of doubts. And one day, every doubt is going to be dissolved. You want to read about it or hear about it? He said, oh, Lord. Let me go down. Let me get to the right one here. It's in a different sermon. He said, then we'll we see him. He said, I think of my old mother, old feeble, shaking with palsy. Not going to do that one day. It'll be different then. That great light will begin to spread out as we begin to look around. And the great circle will get greater, greater, and greater. It's all just reflecting the, repro- the, the approach of Jesus. And after a while, the song says, I shall see Jesus at last. He will be waiting for me. Jesus, so kind and true. On his beautiful throne, he'll welcome me home. After this day is through. Then as we see him. We'll not be as we are now. We will know how to love him more. We'll not stand back with a little fear. Because we'll be like him. He will be more of a relative to us than he is now. We'll understand him better because we're so far away in mortal bodies. But then we'll have a body like his glorious body. We'll know how to worship him then. He said, when we see what the presence of his being has done to us, how it's changed us, and the old back young again, all the deformed straightened out, oh, well, we'll understand then how his power healed us, how his power filled us, how his power saved us, how his power straightened out broken arms and withered limbs and, and hunched over backs and weathered up skin. It won't be old no more. questions that's been in our minds maybe you got questions tonight the questions that's been in our mind how can he do it what would this how how Lord why why did I go it'll all fade away the knots that have been tied in the back of our minds will it be this how could this be what's it going to be like somehow or another Majestic fingers will just untangle and unravel the knots and it'll all fade into one big crown of love. Then we shall see him. Then we shall be like him. Then we shall worship him. Then we shall see mother as God wants her to be. Mother will not be completely there without her family because the greatest time of all her life is to see her children around the table and all of them healthy and happy and to see her pour the coffee or whatever she does, fix the supper, her and dad sit down. That's the happiest time in mama's life. See, all her kitties are now at home. He said, oh, don't be missing that day. Let the great chain of your family be hooked hooked together link by link by link. Let every spoke be in the wheel. And then when we sit down with our families and groups across the canopies of eternity, what a day that will be. And then we will all understand and we will understand it all. It was him who promised this in Revelations 1 where it said that a sharp two-edged sword went out of his mouth and he was called the word of God. It was that from that same lips, he said, I am that he, I am he that is alive and that was dead and I'm alive forevermore. It was them same lips in St. John 6 that says, I will lose nothing and it'll be raised up in the last days. It was him that made the promise. It was those precious lips. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who redeems us. He's the one who will raise us up at the last day. 
He says, if you're a little weak link that's been separated from this great family, may you be reunited today. May the God of heaven this morning somehow, in a mysterious way, unravel those little knots that's been tied in your mind and reveal to you the love he has for you. Hallelujah. Reveal to you the love he has for you. May you come sweetly to him while we think on these things. Let us pray. Let's bow our heads. How many would say, Lord, bring your majestic fingers down into my mind and untangle the knots. Unravel it, Lord. Unravel me with a melody. Let's sing that song. Lord, I've, maybe you like that man said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What was he saying? Lord, I believe, but these mind battles are about to kill me. I'm going through the rough, most rough time. Lord, how's it going to be? All of a sudden, those majestic fingers begin to unravel the knots. And that boy was made whole. He's a dissolver of doubts tonight. He's here to unravel you. Maybe Satan's got you tangled up and tied up. But there's hands of mercy and grace. That's even now reaching down into your mind. He said, just believe me. Just believe. I've got this. You're not here. And I not know nothing about it. I know about it. And I'm able, yea, more than able. Or are you going to sit there till you die? Or are you going to go to your promises? Hey, God's forgot, God ain't forgot about you. God don't know, God knows all about it. God don't. God cares. Just let him continue. He's unraveling those knots. Satan's tied in your mind. That's what this dissolver of doubts actually means. It means he who unravels the knots. Satan has knotted up humanity. People don't know what to believe anymore. Some to the point, as Spurgeon would say. Screaming, no God. One day, he's going to completely unravel the last knot. We'll step into eternity. He is the dissolver of doubts. When I'm going to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Let me turn my eyes on you, Jesus. Let me turn back to you, Jesus. Let me keep my mind on you, Lord. Every time Satan comes, let me turn my eyes back to you. You know what? Some of you need to realize it ain't your thoughts. It ain't your knots. It's the devil's knots. You know, just this last week, we've been having a little bird out at the lake house. Been coming and fighting in the window and messing, pooping all over the car. Messing the windows up, car up, scratching up the car. But one day a trap was laid for him. And that little bird one day was no more. Why? Because it wasn't our iniquities. It wasn't our stains. It wasn't our thoughts. You can't help the bird from coming. But you can sure stop him when he gets there time some of you stop those things stop dwelling on it turn your mind start believing the word start believing the scripture start listening to thus saith the Lord quit leaning on that little L-O-R-D and start leaning on the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings the God of Gods those thoughts you're having are not your final destiny 
Your final destiny's already been wrote. And is thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Those things you've been go, you've been go flowing through your mind just seem like to- torment and over and over. That's not who you are. Who you are is thus saith the Lord. That's not your stain. That's not your iniquity. That's not your thoughts. Put them back where the blame goes to. Sing it, Brother Andrew. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with the song. Oh, yes. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Here's thus saith the Lord I am a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer a slave, oh, to fear, I am. 